second grade parents, welcome back to Raise Ready Kids, where month by month you master the strategies you need to raise kids with the knowledge, skills, character, and purpose they need to thrive. I'm Bill Jackson, founder of Raise Ready Kids, and your host this month. One of the hardest things we parents have to figure out is discipline. How do we respond when our children disobey us, make an irresponsible decision, or treat a sibling poorly? It's not an easy thing to get right. Children are different. Sometimes we get angry. It can be hard to know what really gets through to our children. It's helpful to remember that the word discipline in its original Latin form means to instruct. The most important goal of our discipline should not be to prevail over our children in the moment, but rather to slowly but surely build in them the capacity to act responsibly and make good decisions. We do this over time as we work through everyday behavior challenges with our children and model responsible behavior ourselves. Of course, this is easier said than done. Here's what happens over and over in families. We parents ask a child to do something. They don't do it. We remind them a few times. They still don't do it. We get mad. They resent our tone of voice. We hope they learned a lesson, but they're just thinking about how mean we are. We feel guilty about our behavior, frustrated about our kids' bad behavior, or both. Meanwhile, our children have learned nothing about taking responsibility or solving problems. This month's Raise Ready Kids strategy, Consequences, is all about how to get out of this rut. The idea is to set up your environment so that children are learning from the consequences of their choices and to spend more time building a close relationship with your child and less time nagging and yelling at them. It's a powerful approach that has the potential to dramatically improve the dynamic in your household. Let me introduce consequences with a few examples. It's a cloudy day with rain in the forecast, but six-year-old Daniel hates wearing a raincoat. His father explains why it would be a good idea to bring one as they're leaving the house for school, but Daniel's having none of it, and Daniel's father allows him to make this choice. After school, it's drizzling lightly. The kids with rain jackets are allowed to play outside, but Daniel, without a raincoat, has to stay inside. He experiences the consequence of his choice not to bring a raincoat as he misses out on playing outside with his friends. Another example, 11-year-old Lucia has recently gotten a phone. As part of the deal, she is supposed to leave it in the charger in the kitchen at 8 p.m. on weeknights. Lucia and her mom have agreed that if she doesn't hold up her end of the bargain, she'll lose phone privileges for three days. One day, Lucia can't resist the temptation to retrieve her phone and sneak it into her room at night. Lucia's mom catches her daughter with her phone when she comes in to say goodnight. She doesn't raise her voice in anger at Lucia. In fact, she says nothing as she holds her hand out to collect the phone. A frustrated and disappointed Lucia swears at her mom, but her mom wishes her a good night and walks away calmly. Given a little time to recover, Lucia recognizes that she has no one to blame but herself for the temporary loss of her phone. The first story is an example of natural consequence. Daniel's dad didn't have to do anything for Daniel to experience the consequence of his decision. Indeed, this is how the world works for adults. We get wet if we don't wear a raincoat. We lose friends if we don't pay attention to their feelings. We lose jobs if we don't show up and put in effort. Natural consequences allow our children to grow from their experiences before they become adults. The second story is an example of what Jane Nelson calls logical consequences, actions that will be taken in the context of a misbehavior 
ideally agreed on by parents and children beforehand. Nelson, the creator of the Positive Discipline series of books and courses, says that logical consequences should be related to the behavior, reasonable in scope, respectful of the child, and revealed in advance. Four R's, related, reasonable, respectful, and revealed in advance, or even better, agreed on in advance. Let's say your child is supposed to take the garbage out from the kitchen after dinner, but they constantly forget. You and your child could brainstorm a related and reasonable consequence. It's easier to make this work if the consequence involves losing a privilege rather than adding on additional work. Perhaps the child will lose their opportunity to have their favorite snack the next day. They can have something, but not the one they prefer. This consequence is somewhat related, having to do with food in the kitchen, and it's reasonable. One day of lost snack choice for one day of missed chore. The respect comes in when you enforce the consequence without making any snide comments or yelling. Rather than pointing out your child's failure, you let the agreed upon consequence do the work of teaching your child what they need to learn. In fact, when you use logical consequences, you have the opportunity to be the good cop, expressing empathy for your child as they manage their disappointment. There's a third kind of consequence, an ethical consequence, which is kind of like a natural consequence with a twist. Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson, authors of No Drama Discipline, tell a wonderful story about a mother and how she used ethical consequences as she dealt with her six-year-old after she had shoplifted crowns. The mother and her daughter had been at a store a few days earlier. The daughter had wanted her mom to buy a set of crowns, but mom had said no. A few days later, mom discovered the box of crayons in her daughter's room as they were cleaning together. This kind of discovery would be enough to trigger an immediate emotional reaction from me. What are these doing here? You did what? I cannot believe it. But this mom took a different approach. As she approached her daughter with the stolen crayons in hand, mom noticed her daughter's eyes got wide and full of fear. She knelt down to talk with her daughter, who at first denied taking the crayons, and then said she didn't remember, and then said that it was okay because the lady with the big hair, as she described the sales lady, had not seen her take them. At this point, as Siegel and Bryson were late, Mom asked lots of questions that encouraged her daughter to think through concepts she hadn't yet considered. Do you know what taking something that doesn't belong to you is called? Is stealing against the law? Do you know that the woman with the big hair in the store spent her own money to buy these crayons so she could put them in her store? Soon tears began to stream down her daughter's cheeks. She clearly felt bad about what had happened. Mom let her daughter sit with her uncomfortable feelings for some time. No lecturing, just quiet time and gentle conversation. Eventually they made plans to return the crayons and Mom provided some comfort to her daughter to help her recover. This example illustrates how you can sometimes create the space needed for your child to perceive and process the ethical consequences of their actions. Your own reaction needs to stay in the background while you coach and support your child so that their reaction can emerge and take center stage. Through this process, a child will become more aware of their own moral compass and more likely to pay attention to it even when you aren't looking and indeed even when nobody is looking. Back to natural and logical consequences. Jane Nelson and the other pioneers of positive discipline advocate for natural consequences over logical consequences whenever possible because they keep you, the parent, completely out of the discipline picture. 
the lesson comes to the child through their own experience. And therein lies the beauty of consequences, whether natural, logical, or ethical. They take the pressure off you in your relationship with your child. The child's experience does the heavy lifting. As the parenting expert Amy McCready writes, your kids will learn that actions have consequences at some point in their lives. Our goal is to teach them about real consequences safely and effectively when the stakes are still low. Let's say your child is consistently late getting ready in the morning, making everyone late to school and work. First, talk about the issue. Brainstorm ways to make the morning routine easier for your child, like laying clothes out the previous evening or waking up earlier. Still not working? Announce that we need to come up with a better solution and get to work brainstorming with your child. Maybe the conversation should go toward the need for the car to leave at a certain time, regardless of who is in the car at that moment. Whoever is not in the car is left at home, at least for a brief time until the first drop-off is completed. Your child may miss the bus once, but probably not twice. You can't make your kids put their laundry in the hamper, but as Amy McCready says, you can decide what you will do in response, and you can clearly announce your intentions in advance. I will do any laundry that's in the hamper on Thursdays and Sunday mornings, you can declare. Any laundry that's not in the hamper by then will have to wait until next time. When they miss the Thursday hamper deadline and plead for a special load, you kindly and firmly hold the line. I'm sorry you missed Wednesday's laundry, you can say. I know you'd rather have a clean shirt for soccer. You can't physically force your child to take a bath, but as the parenting expert Vicki Hoffel says, you can decide what you will do in response to their accumulating filth. You can say that you really don't like being near your child when they don't bathe. To tell you the truth, you could say, you smell a little ripe tonight. I'd be happy to read to you after you take a shower. It shows that you care about all of us and our shared space. You can't make a child eat their peas, but you can prepare a meal that includes at least one thing they like and announce when the kitchen will close. If they don't eat what you're serving, they'll get hungry. If they experience a little hunger, they're more likely to eat next time. Of course, your child's safety is paramount. You never want to create a consequence that puts your child in danger. But you knew that. Let's be honest. For most of us, it's not safety issues that are likely to derail our plans for creating a consequential environment. It's our reluctance to see our children suffer, our tendency to cave under pressure because, well, we don't like to see our children unhappy, and we do like to see them happy and successful. In many communities in the United States today, it's a bit countercultural to hold firm against the strenuous appeals of our children and sometimes our spouses. We want to be liked by our children and we don't want to be seen as too rigid. The thing is, though, we need to be willing to trade today for tomorrow. It doesn't always feel great to hold our ground. It's hard. And yes, your child may get to school late or maybe without their lunch or their homework. Your kid may be hungry for a time, or they may have to wear dirty clothes for a day. But none of these things is the end of the world. On the flip side, it is the beginning of a new and better world for our children when they really start to take responsibility for their actions, and when they and we begin to feel the lift in our relationship that comes when we're no longer yelling or nagging. Once we set up a related, reasonable consequence, ideally in collaboration with our child, we get to flip our role. Instead of showering disapproval, we can empathize with them. I'm so sorry you got wet today. You must have been hungry this afternoon. 
Were you lonely in the house this morning? I missed your cheery presence in the car. After expressing empathy, help them brainstorm solutions. What do you think you could do to get ready earlier tomorrow? What would make it easier for you to take a shower? What could you do to make it possible to leave your phone in the kitchen after eight? Recognize that it may take your child a while to decide that they want to make different choices. Be patient. The hardest part of all this for most of us parents is sticking to our guns. Our kids may have a tantrum when we invoke the consequence. They may swear a blue streak. They may try a little physical abuse. They may call us horrible names. They may blame their sister or brother or the cat. As the parenting expert Catherine Reynolds Lewis writes, what is most important to remember is that it's okay for your kids to be upset. Sometimes it's those feelings of unhappiness or discomfort that prompt people to change. Certainly, your kids will develop resilience only by experiencing unpleasantness, not by being shielded from upset by you. Don't fight back and don't back down. Walk away from their protests, no matter how obnoxious, and let them stew it out. You are not being mean to them. Rather, they are encountering some bumps in the road as they work through how they are going to deal with reality. You are not in a power struggle with them. They are in a power struggle with reality. Better now than in 5, 20, or 40 years. They are figuring out how to deal with disappointment, frustration, and perhaps shame. Those are not comfortable feelings. They need us to hold on so they can work through these challenging emotions and find the other side. And they will find the other side even if it takes a while. They will be okay again. They may even apologize for their behavior. And they will most certainly thank you in 20 years with words or with deeds. All right, let's wrap up with a few caveats. First, you want to avoid creating lots of different consequences for lots of different kinds of misbehavior. You should not need to be throwing around consequences all the time if kids are feeling good about themselves and their relationship with you. If you provide predictable routines, teach kids how to do the things you're asking them to do, and give kids as much independence and choice as possible, a gentle conversational approach to discipline will often work. No consequences needed. In addition, you want to regularly acknowledge your child's contributions and good decisions. Every time you convey appreciation, trust, and confidence in your child, you're putting money in the bank of goodwill, available for you to withdraw when you need to enlist your child's cooperation or ask them to reconsider their behavior. Second, you should be concerned if your child is often verbally or physically violent or abusive. As Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson write, children who display frequent and intense reactivity may be struggling with more innate challenges related to sensory integration, attention, and impulsivity, or mood disorders. You should also be concerned if your child doesn't care about the consequences they're facing. It's time to seek professional help when you encounter these kinds of situations. Third, don't worry about how you or your children will be judged by others as you implement consequences. Chances are good that your child's teacher or coach fully supports your efforts to help your child take responsibility for their actions, including remembering homework and uniforms. You may feel like other parents will judge your parenting skills harshly if your kids don't have lunch, are wearing dirty clothes, or are late to practice. Don't worry about it. You're playing the long game. Fourth, do expect that you're going to make some mistakes along the way. You're going to get a little too rigid, or lose your nerve and give in, or lose your cool, or criticize your child in public. It's okay. Your child will be okay. It's an opportunity to model for your child the process of admitting mistakes and apologizing. 
And finally, it's worth your time and your energy to work through these bumps in the road. As Amy McCready writes, rest assured your kids would actually rather learn from life circumstances than from daily nagging throughout their childhood. And what they learn from life, they will learn for life. The last word goes to parenting expert Katherine Reynolds Lewis. It simply takes time for experience to teach children the lessons they need to get along in life, she writes. From the outside, it may look as though kids who are growing into their independence are not as together as the children whose parents do everything for them or prod them into completing every step on a checklist. But over time, as your kids wrestle with the normal challenges of life, not with you and your stupid rules, they will increasingly take responsibility for their belongings, schedules, and actions. And that is a beautiful sight indeed. Mm-hmm.